TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands Podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Media Group. I am Mags, and rejoining me after one episode exodus, Mr. Paul Talley. Paul, how are you? Yeah, I'm sorry about last week. I had to go um, lend some sanity to a, to a crazy quiz over on Five Nerds Go that, uh, that Clive can tell you all about. There was no sanity involved in that recording. No, it was a wasted effort. I should have just done Badlands. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was such a good good listen to um, getting to listen back to it because I, I, I was meant to be involved, but obviously with recording and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was all the way mad, absolutely all the way mad. But. Yep. Our guests uh, were also on that show, and our guests are two of our favourite people in in wrestling Twitter and in in podcasting. Uh, recently made their comeback to the podcasting world. It's Ricky and Clive. How how are you guys? Doing well, thank you for having us back on. It's not a problem. I've been looking forward to this day and this hour for a long time. <laughs> I've been excited. It actually has been because he texted me about an hour ago saying I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> It's because of the the opening topic. That's why he's really excited to to cover it. <laughs> right, guys. Shall we get into this opening topic then? And it was one that I uh, put forward because I knew you guys have been on before, so you can't really add to our collate uh, and Matt Rushmore. <laughs> so to uh, to kind of suck up to the guest, butter up the electorate, as as Paul likes to say, I went with uh, the Mount Rushmore of Bret Hart matches because I. Uh, one of our guests is a uh, is a bit of a mark for uh, for Bret Hart. So yeah, uh, we've all come up with Mount Rushmore. I assume. Uh, let's start with the mark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are the what's the 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 very best for uh, Bret Hart matches? Do you know what? I'm going to let Clive go first. I'm interested to see his first. Um, <sighs> because I my final match, I haven't quite decided on it. I'm stuck between two. And it'll give me a few extra minutes to decide. That's fair. Uh, let's pass it on to you then, Clav. Okay, so number one, Vince McMahon. Number two, Goldberg. Uh... <laughs> I was so close to putting the Goldberg one on. I was so close just to be a dick. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I think there are a select few, and I know you have your opinion on them, Max, but there are there's so many matches that you could pick for Bret Hart that I decided to go for a slightly different route and add some sort of um, hi- um, hidden gems, as it were, that maybe people don't t- pay too much attention to. The first one, however, I'm not going to veer away from, and the best one, in my opinion, is the Steve Austin match, WrestleMania 13. The other three I'm going to pick for sort of hidden gems, have a wee peek on the network for them. The Chris Benoit match... That it had now, I can't remember if it was for the US title or if it was just like a known heart 
This was the Nitro episode. Uh-huh. And Owen Hart tribute yeah. where all the, the Hart family came into the ring after it as well. So that one, that was a very good technical powerhouse match. I'm also going to go for X-Pac. This was on an episode of Raw back in the very early days of Raw where there was a, a great moment where Bret Hart pinned X-Pac. Oh, sorry, one, two, three, kids. Um, he pinned X-Pac, but X-Pac's feet were under the ropes. So Bret Hart wanted to restart the match saying, no, no, I want to win this fair and square. So that was just a nice touch. Uh, and the last one I'm going to go for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in your house too, I believe, and it's versus Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Because I just really liked that match. Fair play. Um, great picks, I suppose. <laughs> I've never even heard of that person. Jean-Pierre Lafitte? No, no, a Bret Hart. Oh, right. that? <laughs> no, 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 Jean-Pierre Lafitte, I've never heard of him. Bret Hart? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to you then, Tolly, for your, for your Mount Rushmore Bret Hart matches. Okay, mine, was, mine was quite quite standard. Yeah, I, I guarantee it's pretty much the same four that I've gone for. Yeah, yeah I've got... Um... <laughs> <laughs> so I've got um, Austin. Mm-hmm. I've got... Um, I've got the Iron Man match with Michaels. I've got... Um, uh, oh, the name's gone. The Canadian Stampede. Okay. Main event. And I've gone for I've gone for the um, the screw job as well, just because uh, just because of its historical significance. Wow, we've only actually matched on two then. Uh, so for man, I've gone with uh, with uh, the Iron Match from WrestleMania twelve. Uh, I've gone with uh, versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania thirteen. I think those two are absolute classics. I've gone for. Uh, a Bret and Owen match, but I've gone for... I was tempted with the WrestleMania 10 one, but I've actually gone for the WrestleMania... Uh, the SummerSlam 1994 steel cage match. Uh, and then, for me, the best uh, Bret Hart match, it has to be Bulldog versus uh, Bret Hart at SummerSlam 1992, simply for the fact that he carried a 300-pound high as a cat bulldog to one of the best matches ever and, and main evented the the only British main pay-per-view that we've ever had. So and I think that was also a massive indicator of, of the kind of guy that Brett was, the fact that he was so selfless in, in the ring uh and he had his best performances when he were putting people over. So yeah, that's my that's my number one Brett versus Bulldog at um SummerSlam ninety two. Good selection. And Ricker, have we lost Ricker? No, oh, sorry, I was is. just in my notes. In <clears throat> uh, no particular order, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania. I also went Bret Hart own heart from SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I also Great went pick. Bret Hart own heart WrestleMania. <laughs> and my final one. This is where I really, really struggled. It came down to two matches for me. The Benoit one was considered, as was... They had a match with Bulldog in your house. Season's greetings. Yes. Yep, remember it well. Um, so 
the other two that came down to it was another Steve Austin match. This was at Survivor Series '96. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a number one contenders match, but I think I'm probably going to lean to Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series '92. Oh. Uh, personally, like I think the other two matches, the ones that Paul spoke about are historically perhaps more important and carry more weight, especially Iron Man match, first of its kind kind of thing, or 60-minute draw and Shawn Michael wins the title, um, and obviously a screw job. I just think out of all those matches, that was my favourite match, the one that took place at Survivor Series between the two of them. Um, so yes, that's my four for the greatest in-ring technician I have ever seen, <laughs> alongside alongside Kurt Angle. And the the kind of diversity we got in all those matches all just shows how mm-hmm. how good of a wrestler he was that we've all pretty much got different Matt Rushmore's. I was really considering using the Canadian Stampede match as well, but I just thought because there were nine other people rather than one, that it wasn't so much Bret Hart's magic that made that work. It was more Austin's match. Mm-hmm. That's funny because you used that match, did you not, on your pay-per-view thing that we done on our show a few weeks back did I? I'm sure you I'm sure you used a stampede match I think I think it's um, I, the reason I think it's, it's Bret Hart's match is yeah, he created that atmosphere mm-hmm. with his that's true with his months of work beforehand doing the whole Canada vs America shtick and, and, and without that without the atmosphere it's just not the same match that's a good yeah. point absolutely makes sense so but yeah, I wouldn't, got... I wouldn't. I wouldn't usually put in a multi-man tag match into someone's greatest matches. <laughs> <laughs> so Bret Hart's obviously the the story of uh of of, of Badlands recently in his little battle with Shawn Michaels yet again. Yeah, they, they they're starting to come up and and challenge the challenge our top four. Shawn Michaels yeah. still ahead by one at the moment. Next week's opener will be Shawn Michaels' best matches then. <laughs> yeah. We we gotta give them we gotta give them equal uh, promotion. equal footing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this main topic, chaps. Uh we uh we came up with uh a topic for you guys of the the greatest defections in wrestling. Now the way I, I look at defections is either defecting from one kind of faction uh to another or even going from company to company and, and, and like making waves in, in the whole of the wrestling world. So uh with that being said, we're also kind of debuting a new format for how we're doing the Mount Rushmore's on on this episode. Uh with having two guests on. Uh, we're we're still going to be coming up with a, a Mount Rushmore for the guests and a Mount Rushmore for for me and Paul. Uh, it's just that the, the guests will now only have two picks each, like we do. But they also have that amazing power of veto. So if uh, mm. if uh, Ricky, for example, doesn't like one of Clive's picks, he can uh, he can vote it off and replace it with one of his own. So how does it that... feel? Do you feel the power coursing through your veins? I'm I'm just disappointed that I can't veto Mags because the the politics at play over the last year or so has been Boris Johnson esque. Darren, I'm sorry. Oh, what? Oh, wow! Thank you. It has been disgraceful, hasn't it? It has, Paul. It has. Wow. Friend, Paul. I'll have you know, I've carried this show on my back whilst Paul was off gallivanting, pretending to be like affected by coronavirus. 
five comes, months of counselling it took. And he comes back <laughs> with a, a shitty attitude, thinking it could be all political. No, it's 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 unfair. I'm I'm like Corbyn. I'll be shit on from a great art here. Well, Baron Corbyn. Down, down. <laughs> Deep sick. <King> Corbyn. <laughs> down, down, I want to apologise for my co-host for coming on to your show and calling you a rampant racist buffoon. Yes, exactly. exactly. It's uncalled for. Now, if there's a bit of an example of putting words in one's mouth, then there we go. I mean, have was my description of Boris Johnson wrong? Darren's got better hair. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> of all, yeah, just not a better outlook. Of and all the qualities, yeah, not a better, better political stance. Just yeah, he, he brushes his hair every now and again. <laughs> wow! After that offence, after that personal attack on my on my character, I think you guys should go first, and you you'll be able to pick between each other which one he wants to wants to throw the first uh, pick at the the Mount Rushmore defections. Clive, again, I'll let you go first. Oh. Right, okay, fine. Right, when you think, at first I thought you meant the factions from a country, and I was thinking, right, there's only Rousseff, but you said either <laughs> uh, either stables or companies, so I'm going to go with a company one first, and that even it's one of those ones that's still talked about today, 24 years after the fact, and I'm going to, I hope this is allowed in the rules, where I'm, I'm using a pair, Defected, and they technically were a tag team. But I'm going to go for the Outsiders, aka Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, who let their contracts run down in WWF in '96 and appeared on Nitro. And I mean, the rest is history with regards to what they did in Nitro, the start of the New World Order. They they were a catalyst for what became the Monday Night Wars, and it was a lot of back and forth between the companies. And the Attitude Era, critically, it might not be as good, but it's always looked back on fondly because of what happened during that time. And I think a lot of that has to go... The credit should go to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Yeah, it's a it's a great pick. It's one that's, that's on my list, and it may it may come up in our picks. Uh, yeah, it's outstanding. It, it was a, a, a wrestling... Kind of a, it defined wrestling for for such a long time. It was it was revolutionary. Simple as that. Um, so great. Very pick. good pick. I think I think it's probably the first one that came to my mind when mm-hmm. when, when we talked about the subject. Well, it's your pick first, Paul, for our Mount Rushmore. So okay, I didn't go for it. Oh, see, but see, before before Paul goes, uh, maybe I'm trying to overthink it, or maybe I'm trying to be too cute, right? But could one argue? And I, I I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to veto the pick. I think the pick's great. But could you not? One could not. One could argue that the moment they signed or the moment they appeared in WCW, that perhaps that was the beginning of the downfall of WCW, despite the the trajectory they went on. Because at that point, whatever it was, or they had creative control, and then basically you had the inmates running asylum like that started off like a chain of events and start and set a precedence that, that they're quite never they never really recovered from. So I think one could argue that yeah it was a great signing, but ultimately it was what led to their downfall. 
Oh yeah, I don't think that's even uh, even something that you could doubt. The fact that they brought these in and and they had that creative control, then Hogan was involved and with his creative control, and then just the the swelling of of the NWO, it definitely did lead to its downfall. But for those kind of like three four years in between, it it made wrestling the hottest thing uh, that it's ever ever been. So uh, it. In that in that terms, it, it's got to be got to be up there with one of the the most influential defections. Yeah, uh, uh, Ricky kindly did uh, did create a, a link for me there, a little segue. One <laughs> didn't exist before when you tried to build it, Darren. But then the pros come in and uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> gave me a leg up. Because <laughs> he's because uh, uh, Ricky's right. I guess, I guess although it was a great defection at the time, and it led to a few few really good years it, it did also ultimately lead to their downfall and kind of that focus by wcw on bringing in uh high profile probably past it wwf stars at, at high value led them to kind of turn a blind eye to really great talent they had on their books and and while um while wcw were poaching um those high profile stars on wdf wf we're going the opposite direction and stealing their kind of future stars. And, and on that, on that count, I'm going to go for the radicals. Oh, very good. Very Ooh. good. Pick. Um, yeah. Like I said, um, I think this was, uh, this was a sign that WWF actually got their recruit. We're getting the recruiting tactics, right. And we're, we're basically stealing WCW's future away from them. Um, because they'd already taken Chris Jericho, which was a, a massive, a massive coup for them, and then to take the radicals as well. Um, of course, uh, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko, all fantastic, popular, entertaining cruiserweights on the on the WCW roster. And, and Chris Benoit, of course, had um, had just won the World Heavyweight Championship in WCW the night before he the night before he left as kind of a, a final sweetener to stay that he that he rejected. Um, yeah, I think by taking those four away and along with Chris Jericho, it really, really kind of was the one of the final nails in the coffin of, uh, of WCW. Um, and yeah, it's proven in kind of what they went on to achieve in WF, particularly Benoit and Guerrero, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Benoit was four-time Intercontinental Champion, four-time Tag Team Champion, three-time US Champion, Royal Rumble winner, and ultimately World Heavyweight Champion, Eddie Guerrero two times Intercontinental, four times tag, US, Euros, and a WWE Championship himself. Obviously, we know that both 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 of their stories ended in tragedy, unfortunately. Um, and 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 uh, Dean Malenko, not not quite as not quite as prodigious a career, but he stayed in WWE as a road agent for for a long time, quite an influential guy backstage. And Perry Saturn in his own way was very popular as well as as a as a character. <laughs> And he won a he won a he won a couple of mid card titles himself. Um, but the, the, kind of the way they were presented that that Monday Night Raw when they sat sat ringside in their uh, kind of like Versace looking silk uh, <laughs> silk <yeah>. shirts <laughs> and that fucking leather hat that Perry Saturn had on leather hat <laughs> and just, and you know catapulted straight into a feud of Degeneration X, which which is which is massive given kind of these guys they they felt they were overlooked in WCW and not getting the chances they deserved WF just strapped it to them straight away um in with Degeneration X uh, teaming with Mick Foley 
And I think just right from the off, they got it absolutely right with them and presented them in such a cool way. It felt like a really mm-hmm. powerful defection. Yep, it's a great pick. It's one I also had on my my kind of also runs, uh, so I'm definitely not going to veto it. Yeah, it was massively important, and it was a a big statement that, that these four people come over to WWF. And like Benoit was the current world champion, literally given the title as a sweetener to stay, and and still didn't want to stay. Uh, yeah, I can't fault the pick. Did you did you did you hear about how they um they got their no compete clause? Um, uh, taken out with their contract when they left WCW, no. it's because when they uh when they threatened to leave, one of the the higher ups in WCW pulled a knife on them and threatened to slit their throats. Wow! Which Eddie Guerrero had the mind apparently to call HR and say, "This has happened. You might want to take the no compete clause out of our contract, or we'll take you to court." Jesus Christ! Oh, I've never even heard that story. Wow! Not even I till today. I, I mean, I mean, last weekend when I did my research, not today. <laughs> <laughs> See the Benoit and Guerrero specifically. The upper mid card revolved around those guys for the five or six years that we had left with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, they had their trot at the main event, but they they were always involved in the US or IC title picture or tag titles or um, attraction matches. More often than not, it was. They were the mid card in a good sense. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I think I think Benoit and Guerrero both won the IC title four times, and that was at a time when the IC title really was, um, really was prestigious. Mm-hmm. And and don't forget, Perry Saturn also did have a mop. That was fun. Never forget. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't know why they didn't go with it from that defection night. Just hit the maps <laughs> next to him. <laughs> it's a great pick. Uh, but uh, let's go back to the guests, and it's uh, Ricky's first pick on on their Mount Rushmore. Um, <clears throat> so Clive took uh, one of my picks, which perfectly happy with. I'm going to go Seth Rollins turning on. Roman Reigns and Dean Ooh, Ambrose. Great pick. Great pick. Well, um, it, it don't matter whether I think it's a great, great pick, it's whether Clive thinks it's a great pick. I, like I think you might have swayed Clive there with your enthusiasm because because uh, he's got it in for you tonight, clearly. <laughs> 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 I think the great thing about... Well, I think the Shield, there's an argument to be made that they are the greatest, like, stable or factional in WWF, WWF history um, both in terms of like what they all achieved as a group and what they went and go on and achieve as individuals and just general popularity and, and the impact that they had um, but I think the great thing about the Seth turn was and if anyone says they saw that coming they're lying because mm-hmm. I think all four of us can agree that if one person was about to turn we all felt it was going to be Dean Ambrose yeah uh, like they, they laid those breadcrumbs there that, that he was unhinged one the lunatic and even even in the weeks and about in the months building up to it he was really really erratic and it couldn't really be controlled so the Seth Rollins one came just completely out of left field even even when you think about it as evolution come towards the ring and Roman and Dean walked towards the ropes even at the time it still never entered my mind that Seth was about to clock them with a chair until it actually happened so 
for me, for shock and awe and and real sort of even just getting kind of emotional and being like, oh, like it really hurt. Like I felt that was one of the biggest um, defections that we've seen sort of in the last 10, 15 years. Um, and a lot to do with the fact that we just never saw it coming with Seth being the one to do it. And then obviously what Seth went on and went on to do after that as a singles in a singles run just kind of solidified that they made the correct decision there. Mm-hmm. So my pick is Seth Rollins turning on the shield. Outstanding pick. I I love that pick. It's and like I said, it was it was something that you didn't see coming. The the seeds were laid for 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 Dean to do it, but it never felt like a swerve for swerving sake. There was definitely kind of reasoning behind it, and it, it and it made sense. The shield didn't kind of outstay the welcome. It was it was perfectly done. I loved it. Yeah, it's a great pick. Yeah, it was it was it was a great it was a great defection. And I always remember Dean Ambrose's face when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the beauty of breaking up a tag team or breaking up a stable or anything like that is is um, doing it even slightly before it runs its natural course, just so you can still have that little bit of shock. Now, I think if they'd done it six months prior, it it might have been like, no, it's not right. Um, but it, the timing sort of felt right. But at the same time, you also felt like there was a little bit more meat left on the bone. But it was, like I said, it balanced it out quite well, um, especially, like I said, what all three of them went on to do after that. Uh, if you fast forward a few months after it, you had um, the chicken shit authority, Seth Rollins. You had one of the greatest moments in WrestleMania history with cashing in, money in the bank briefcase. But let's not forget, this moment also gave birth to the lunatic, lunatic fringe that we formerly know as Dean Ambrose, but that 2014 2015 Dean Ambrose was white hot, and that's thanks to Seth's defection. Mm-hmm. Dean wouldn't be wouldn't have been as popular as he was without Seth turning on him. Yeah, and, and those two or three months after the turn oh. with Dean and Seth was like, just unbelievable. I think they ended up. Did they not write Dean off by giving him like a cub stump on like cement block or something because he was going to go film a movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like I say, those two or three months after that was just fantastic viewing as well. Yep. The lumberjack yep. match at SummerSlam as well. Lovely stuff. And then even the Fatal Four B match with Randy Orton, where they had the like the mini, where they'd done the, the triple power bomb, and then they had the the, the, the teased their reunion, and they both attack Seth kind of thing. So, well, so many layers to that storyline, and it was just, yeah, like so unexpected, but. Awesome viewing as well. Yeah, so, they played it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be vetoing that one because it was one of mine. So, have it, have it, Ricky. Wow, I did not think that this would happen. That we didn't get any vetoes in the first, the first round of picks. No, we they should be contractually obliged to to use the veto. Really, <laughs> we can't pick this up as the first time the guests have got a veto and then they don't and use they, it. They decide not to use it. Yeah. Man, you're saying that it may not be the 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 end of the first round without a veto because Paul, you still got that opportunity um, to veto my first pick. Uh, now I've got two which I'm tempted to go with uh, as a first picker. And I think I'm going to go with one that kind of links to yours, Paul, in a very, very tenuous way. Uh, you spoke about Benoit leaving uh, WCW as the pretty much as the world champion. 
A man is kind of like that. Well, not kind of, pretty much exactly the same. So um, I'm going with uh, Ric Flair going to WCW in, in 1991, uh, going to the WF, sorry, from the WCW in 1991. Um, so leading up to it, we, uh, we had Bobby Heenan in like the, the, the early summer and going into the autumn of 91, announcing that the real world champion Will be will be coming. Uh, obviously, opposed to Hogan, who was the the WWE champion, and in a in a, a move that kind of shocked the wrestling world, uh, Bobby the Brain uh, brought Ric Flair into WWF, and he brought with him the the big gold belt, which uh, was was a, a stable of uh, of WCW programming. Um, and when uh, when he uh, Heenan was introducing Flair, he, uh, and and the title, he compared uh, he compared the big gold belt to the WWF title and saying it's like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow, that that's WWF booking shitting on their own title. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he he made his uh, debut in uh, a sep- September 1991 edition of Primetime Wrestling. Uh, obviously, the, his his uh, famous music came, and he made his uh, his intentions known to to kind of end Hulkamania uh, and become the world champion. And, and he kept that promise. He uh, won the, the the Royal Rumble in 1992, only four months into his uh, into his run with WWE you know, WWF at the time, obviously. Um, and that that match was for the title, and he uh, he emerged from. The, the Royal Rumble as the real world champion and, and, and gave the the promo of his laugh when he was saying that holding that belt, the winged eagle, meant that he was the man. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ric Flair defecting from WCW with their title uh, to WWF. Yeah, brilliant pick. I can't, I can't veto that one. That, that one. <laughs> That's a shocker that he uh, that that he made that move, mm-hmm. and it's, it's massive. He's he's he's, a, he's, well, he's the best wrestler in the world at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. and to go pretty much like all the way through the rumble and 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 win it and then be the world champion, it was it was brilliant play. And uh, then to have great feuds with uh, Randy Savage afterwards, yeah, oh. it was a. A, a great, great pick from me, I think. Uh, and if you would have vetoed, I would have been very, very disappointed. I wish I had now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're so mean to me today. <laughs> I've great, got backup. A great, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. You, you... I, a great, great pick by me, and he's like sitting there patting himself on him. <laughs> he did actually say that, didn't he? That was a is great that, pick by me. <laughs> someone's got someone's to stand up for me. I might as well have to do it myself. And then obviously he returned like, like, like what, like ten years or whatever later, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that 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 was a great pick. And obviously, like I said, I think the the best thing about him moving over for me was the Randy Savage stuff. Uh, that yeah. was fucking uh-huh. unbelievable. Yes. Doctored photos of him and Liz, super brilliant, <laughs> especially for that time. Um, it was a great storyline. How long was how long was Ric Flair in WWE for that first time? I think it was only about eighteen months. Yeah, it wasn't long, was it? No. It's again quite an impact in that time. I know the fact that, that he came in and defend uh, kept the title 
in a whole Royal Rumble match in the space of a few months. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So let's go to back to to Clive then for his second pick and uh, and their third overall pick. So I'll I'll just pat myself in the back just now then. <laughs> <laughs> Good job uh, of editing this. <laughs> A few months ago, the network had one of their documentaries. It was like a Rise and Fall series that they did, I believe. And this was about a certain stable. And they told the story with talking head segments with the stable members and the journey from start to finish. And I realised that the story that they told is probably one of the best ones that WWE have done in terms of from start to finish, long term. And that was Evolution's Rise and Fall. So you had the start of, I'll name him now, Dave Batista. Um, green as goose shit back in the day, even when he was Deacon Batista, but he was taken under Ric Flair and Triple H's wing alongside Randy Orton. Slowly but surely plodding along, had a massive impact in the 2003 Survivor Series match, where he took out so close to winning Shawn Michaels. And then he was the muscle for a long time, but he started to come out of his shell a lot more. Randy Orton was out of the picture, late 2004, and then the seed started to be sown once um, Batista won the Royal Rumble on the, the infamous night where Vince McMahon blew his quads. So Triple H was all in front of his face, I know you're a good guy, you're going to pick JBL at WrestleMania. And if Batista caught him backstage talking about um, setting him up for being run over by JBL, you know, the, the typical stuff, and then the contract signing, Triple H has given the textbook thumbs up that Evolution used to do, and Batista just thumbs up, thumbs down. Destroyed Triple H, um, powerbomb through the commentary, the contract signing table, went on to have a, maybe not the best match ever, but a very momentous moment on WrestleMania 21, and Batista went on to become one of WWE's biggest stars. So that moment, the, defa- the defection from the contract signing, specifically. Another solid pick. Uh, for me, there was, if you're going to pick an evolution defection, it's you've got to put some respect on Mark Jindrak's name, the fact that they all <laughs> shit on him and kicked him out of the group. That would have been a more important one. But yeah, it's a great pick. It's on Ricky, though. Does it stay on? Uh, moment of truth. I really don't want to veto it <laughs> because I think it would be excellent if we made it through every single pick and no one vetoed it. <laughs> um, it's just that for me, I felt Triple H putting Randy Orton out of Evolution was a bit more shocking and a bit more like, oh, I kind of didn't see that coming. Um because I think Randy went on to become a pretty good face after that at that point. Um, and he wins the world title and they're all celebrating and he's on Batista's shoulders and you can see his thumbs up and then thumbs down and you can hear him actually saying, down. And then as Batista slams him, I'm going to veto it. Does it hey, hold on, hold on. That's not a defection <laughs> though. That sounds ah. like an outcasting. I, I know, but I'm going to veto it because I still feel like that was more of an important than evolution and I wasn't really I'm not gonna get like I like Batista now, but back then I wasn't like a big Batista Mark or fan. But 
I'm definitely going to veto it. With with the Randy Orton outcast? No, no, I'm just, I was explaining, like, that was my... Okay. um, And it kind of feels like I'm cheating, but this was one of my two. I would put the Ric Flair one in. I, I can't, I can't disagree with it. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, and uh, and and Ricky's used that power perfectly. How exactly how I would have done it. I think, I think the Flair thing because at the end of the day, like he was all through the eighties and like was the man, as he likes to put it. Um, and it was such a huge deal um, when he moved over and. Because you never thought it would happen. Um, yeah, I would. I would put the Ric Flair one in instead of that. <sighs> it, 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 just... it really does disappoint me because I really didn't want to do it. No, <laughs> the the un, unofficial catchphrase of Badlands buttering up the electorate. That's all that was. No, it's not <laughs> because because I feel like you're going to veto my next pick, and I wanted to get the Ric Flair one in anyway. Okay, and I, I can't. If I were to veto, I can't pick Batista, can I? You can't put in one that's already been picked. Yeah. Yeah, that's gone now. That's off the cards. Yeah. I, I feel... think it's sound logic. I think it's sound logic because I, I, I agree with Ricky that Evolution's defining moment was was the Randy Orton one. And I, um, agree. I agree with Clab that that was a brilliant deflection, though. It was a great deflection, but when well, I think of the Evolution, I don't think of it. Whereas, like with the Outsiders. When I think of them, I think of them defecting. Do you know, Paul, I've got a feeling that this new kind of format may be the end of a lot of podcasts. We may be causing a lot of uh, rifts uh. in people. <laughs> Either that or it's going to be the end of our friendship with a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Just, <laughs> whenever we're looking for guests, like, no, never going on there again. <laughs> I like that they've taken it in the correct spirit and they haven't conferred on their answer before coming on. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, we'll be conferring after the fact. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, let's let's go with your second pick and potentially your well, yeah, potentially your last pick. Okay. Right. I've gone for when the uh, the elite of Japanese wrestling up sticks back their own talent and rather than defect to a rival, went and formed their own. Get to fuck. Not this those ones. Awful. Not those ones. Not Cody. <laughs> no. Do you remember, um, I think we did Power Couples, and we were talking about um, Giant Baba and his wife. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go, we're now going to go forward to the year 2000 and see what was happening with Giant Baba and his wife. Giant Baba had died. Um, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the defection. <laughs> that was the defection. <laughs> Uh, Giant Barber had passed away. Right, just for anyone who didn't hear that episode, Giant Barber and his wife Matoko Barber they ran All Japan Pro Wrestling um, from its inception in 1972, right up until um, when Giant Barber passed away. Um, and I put them forward for uh, one of the greatest power couples of all time, because when they were running All Japan Pro Wrestling, it was, um, I think, at times uh, the number one promotion in Japan. Um, above New Japan, I think they kind of um, traded that position. But um, when Giant Baba passed away uh, and left his wife in charge, um, Giant Baba's position as president of the company came up, and 
and um, so uh, the All Japan Board um, nominated Mitsuharu Misawa to to be the new president, um, who was one of the kind of famed four pillars of heaven, the, the the supposed greatest wrestlers in the world of that time, who kind of done so much to make All Japan the the number one company in Japan, um, and they put Misawa in place um, over uh, Motoko Baba's preferred candidate. Um, and and her and Misawa had 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 a lot of um a lot of discrepancies between them in the past. Um, so she didn't want him in a position of power, but he got it. Um, and so they began began a power struggle within all Japan pro wrestling. Um, and the relationship between Matoko Baba and Misawa never recovered, and it just got worse and worse. Um, to the point where Misawa kind of led a, a locker room uprising to try and secure support to remove her from the company, which obviously didn't go anywhere because because uh, ultimately he she was the great Baba's wife still and, and held a lot of respect. So these disagreements carried on and carried on until uh, until Misawa was ultimately removed from his position as, um, as, as president of All Japan Pro Wrestling. So in June 2000, he led probably the most disrupted dis- uh, this uh, uh, what's the what's the what's the word? <laughs> defection. The most disruptive defection wow. there's probably ever been in wrestling. Mm-hmm. When he led 24 out of All Japan Pro Wrestling's 26 contracted wrestlers out of the company to form Pro Wrestling Noah. Um, basically, uh, he took. He took everyone. He took three uh, of the four pillars of heaven, uh, him, him being one, and, and, and he took, took two of the others with him, as well as um, some of the next two decades' like top talents in people like Marafuji, uh, Kanemaru, Kenta, who's obviously pretty massive now. He took them all and set up Pro Wrestling Noah with them, uh, with a focus on building a company for the future. Um, whereas Baba wanted to kind of protect her husband's legacy and, and continue pushing uh, talent of the past. Um, so yeah, they 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 went and they and they formed Pro Wrestling Noah, and it was massively successful for kind of the, the first decade, um, and even became uh, the Wrestling Observer best promotion in the world in 2004 and 2005, despite only forming in 2000, touring the world. Um, they had. Uh, a couple of massive shows uh, in 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 um, Coventry, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> of which all uh, of all places, but people still talk about those shows today. Like really massive attendances. Um, like at that time, the best wrestling you could see in Britain. Um, they came over and did those, um, and then uh, the, the following decade, um, uh, Noah went into a got themselves in a bit of trouble they were shamed by relationships with uh, y- yakuza gangs they had a yeah. relationship with new japan where uh, where um, new japan kind of abruptly pulled all of their talent away from noah and left them in a really bad state but again they've re- they've recovered and and i've said it on here before um this year in particular one of my favorite companies to watch at the moment but i think in terms of if we want to talk about disruptive massive defections 24 out off a 26 man roster yeah it's amazing how um all japan ever ever survived that really mm. but huge and i think that was a really good pick by me <laughs> of course give yourself a pat on the back paul 
it's a great pick. It really is. It's and it's it was it really did change the landscape in in Japanese wrestling. But because you tried to pull that uh, that bullshit at the beginning, I'm vetoing you. <laughs> what uh, bullshit? What bullshit? So, <laughs> I, I was go, I was droning on for so long. I forgot what the, the bullshit was. <laughs> the, the early bullshit about the, the elite leaving. You didn't think I was going to pick the elite, did you? No, but and I, I assumed you were picking uh, Noah, but I'm still going to veto you anyway. I'm going to replace it with a. Uh, goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> just spent the last three minutes eloquently explaining his decision and it was perfectly put yeah it was and and they yeah. they make it the most fun to veto because you know he puts in so much effort and so much research and then just for me to go and shit on it from a great art and it does say, break nah, my heart it, it, I, I, I'm leaving I need to leave the podcast I can't be a part of this this is, this is heartbreak <laughs> no it's fine just, just let Boris give us his pick it's fine <laughs> I can't believe you vetoed on the grounds that I teased it was going to be the elite. It wasn't the elite, but because I, I teased it, you vetoed it. Okay, okay. So just to to butter up the electric again, I, I revoke that veto. I will allow it to stay on. Oh, wow. But just know that that, that was under duress. Thank you very much, Ricky and Clive. It's your, it's your Save your bacon. <laughs> No, it, it it it's a great uh, pick, and you clearly did put a lot of effort in. So I I I have to give you props for that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to uh, Ricky Cloud, their final pick. Okay, doke. Um, there was a time where the elite of Japan. No, um, right. I'm going to go for it. Chris Jericho leaves WWE. Oh. Yeah. Do you just want to veto it now before I even give any kind of analysis? <laughs> I was ready to, but now I'm not too sure. Right. So here's the, the thinking and reason behind it. At the time when Jericho left, I'm not ready to... I'm not even going to say that he's had great matches and stuff. Like, a lot of his matches, to me, are like... I'm not a huge fan of. I love the character. I love the promo work. I love all of that. I love how just... How crazy and out there he's becoming. Not loving the fact that he thinks it's okay to have a concert and spread coronavirus and stuff. But anyway... um, Are you talking about the defection to AEW? Yes. Oh, right, okay. He's vetoing. Do you want to just veto it? You can Keep going, keep going. Right, so... Can I I confirm, Ricky? Are you saying you're not a fan of his matches throughout his career or just the ones since he's gone to AEW? Just just, just these last couple of years. That's what I thought, yeah. I absolutely love his... I nearly had to edit Ricky out of the whole podcast then. Yeah, I just saw Darren's shock and I didn't want us to get to that point. No, no, no. No, no, definitely not. Definitely I absolutely love him. Um, For him to then go do stuff in New Japan, uh, I actually enjoyed the match he had with... um, um, What's your man? No, oh, geez, his first match. Omega. His name? Jericho. Omega. And yes, yeah, Omega. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic match. Um, and then followed that up with one against 
Tanahashi as well. Um, so I like those ones. And, and the reason why I'm putting this in here is because he's not, he's gone and helped create, I won't create the right word, but it certainly helped elevate a new, completely brand new wrestling promotion. Um, however you feel about people running the company and the company itself and the product itself is different, whatever. And the fact that he was such a charismatic and awesome first AEW <clears throat> heavyweight champion, um, again, adds more weight to the fact that in his eyes he's probably made the right decision. Uh, and like I said, I think without him being at the forefront of AEW, they probably wouldn't be as popular as they are. And, and, and he immediately gave them credibility, immediately gave that company prestige, and immediately made them feel like they are the real deal. That's It's a legitimate company and a legit threat, and that's all because of one man. Um, I know, Clive, you probably are going to veto it, but I think... I'm not going to turn on his in 10, 15, 20 years' time. It's going to be one of the most significant moments in wrestling. But it's one of the most significant moments in the last 10 years or so that there's a legit threat to WWE, and Chris Jericho's a lot, got a lot to do with that, I think. Not just for what he can do in the ring, but his knowledge and, and how to produce matches and how to nurture talent and to, and to mentor people as well. But go on. Do you want my, do you want my decision? Oh, you're going to veto it because you hate AEW, but go on. Well, put me in a dress and put me in mid-2000 Smackdown and call me a big veto because that's what's happening here. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I just think you you have made some very valid points. He helped put AEW on the map, but his stick to the last few months is just it's too on the nose to even appreciate the heel work. And I think he's personally he's doing a lot of his a lot of discredit to his career with the last few months. It's it's hard it's hard to watch to be honest. So I'm going to veto it with his defection from WCW to WWF. That, pro- that promo alone was. Glorious. He had a touch a few months, but 2000 was definitely a Jericho year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's not an issue whatsoever. Um, like I think, and, and the guys kind of touched on it when we spoke about the radicals, and they obviously went straight into a feud with DX. Well, who the hell did Jericho confront or have a promo again when he made his debut? You know, like we're talking about one of the guys who are on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, and at the time a guy that no one can hang with on the mic so not got a problem with that I think the greatest thing about Jericho's debut is like how great the countdown timer was and how, oh. how long it lasted um, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's that picks perfectly fine with me okay so we're still friends we're still <laughs> friends but the most shocking thing about this is that neither Darn nor Paul have, have used a veto and are they going to make it through the two rounds out Darren buckled I'm, I'm under tempted. pressure I'm he tempted. did. He did. He's gonna. He's gonna veto no matter what, <laughs> just because he knows I can't re-veto him back. Yeah, he... no retaliation. Just on, the, I think both of those Jericho picks are really good. I, I did. Sure. I actually considered his AEW. Is uh, is AEW one? I think of all the defections to AEW, I think Jericho's was the most important. Um, but I also kind of agree with you. I don't. I'm not really a, a fan of his AEW matches. Um, yeah. The one yeah, he had with Omega it, was sensational. The first one he had, that was brilliant. The one in New Japan. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, his, his New Japan matches were were, were mostly good. Mm-hmm. I think the the Akada one was uh was was a bit bit of a lame turd, but um, but yeah, the ones against Omega were class. I I agree. I think the 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 move to WF was was way more important. I don't even really see the move to AEW as as a defection though, because he'd been out of WWE for quite a while, and obviously been like turning up in in New Japan. So uh, I would have counted the the move from WCW to WWF more important. But either way, they were both great picks, and uh, I'll have less besmirching of the very best wrestler that's <laughs> ever walked the, the planet. Uh, so see, yeah. see, even 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 though, but even though he um he did stop over in New Japan first. I still always, even though he was fighting in New Japan, I always thought he was just a WWE guy through and through, and so loyal to Vince that I was genuinely, I was still genuinely shocked he signed for AEW even after working for New Japan. Yep. Um, but either way, it's a great pick and a great, great use of the veto. Uh, let's see if Paul will will use his veto now, uh, and I'm going to go for someone who uh, who did jump from company to company. Um, but he's the only one on this list that that was able to do it twice in in the space of a week. So I'm going to go with Rick Rude jumping from ECW to WWF and to WCW. Um, if you think of like all the defections between companies, there's there's no one who's nailed it as well as as Rick Rude. Uh, it was one of those uh, that the legendary group of wrestlers from uh, the Robbinsdale, Minnesota group, um, and he, he obviously had his, his peak in the, the the late eighties and early nineties. Wrestled in WWE and WCW, uh, but he had to retire after a back injury during a match with Sting. Uh, and then in uh, 1996, he kind of resurfaced in the wrestling world when he was doing a, a bit of colour commentary uh, as part of uh, of the entourage for Shane Douglas in uh, ECW. Um, and he taped a few episodes of this uh, back-to-back. Uh, and then he turned up in WWE uh, as part of uh, the newly formed DX. Uh, but he didn't uh, sign a, a long-term deal and didn't actually stick around for, for WWE or for ECW for that long. Uh, he ended up on the November the 17th uh, with uh, a full beard, he was on uh, he was on Raw with uh, with DX in a, a segment that they, they pre-taped, and then on the same night, he was also a clean shaven but left the corner <laughs> mustache. He appeared alongside the NWO on a live edition of uh, of uh, Nitro uh, and literally ripped the WWF a, a, a new arsehole with with a, a, <laughs> a scathing diatribe, and then. To, to kind of add to that trifecta of, uh, of um, defections, he also appeared on a, a taped edition of ECW two days later, uh, which made him the only performer <laughs> in history to appear on all three major promotions in the space of a week. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, Rick Rude doing the trifecta of ECW, WWF and WCW. I didn't even know about the ECW one. I, I didn't know about the ECW. How how good is that for some shit housing? Three <laughs> shows in a week. It's it's a it's um a good like historical quirk 
Oh, yeah, we yeah. Know. Oh, I can tell by the tone already. <laughs> but really, it it's just like it didn't really mean anything, did it? It's not. It's it didn't have any impact, and it's just a quirk of timing. It's like when the clocks go back and you say you get an extra hour in bed. You don't really, do you? But it's uh Well, yeah, you do because the clocks have gone back. <laughs> but you don't though, and I vetoed anyway. So let's not. <laughs> I'll let's not, semantics. Let's not argue the toss over uh, Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> you are an arsehole. I'm you gonna blackmail me to not be or as well. I didn't blackmail you. It was it was all Rick and Clive. I'm speaking of, <laughs> sorry, speaking of tight with clocks going back, see when the clocks do eventually go back, like this whole pub shutting at ten o'clock, the coronavirus is going to be confused as hell. You <laughs> <laughs> get an extra hour in bed. <laughs> that was a little joke I sent to Clive last night but anyway sorry on you go you <laughs> can't use that on your show now oh, well they no, can't because no. this won't be out for six weeks that is a fair point yeah so we'll look like we've copied <laughs> and who knows what'll happen in six weeks time <laughs> we, we could have Rick Rude on by then <laughs> and on Rick and Clive in the same week <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for Hulk Hogan to WCW. Oh, you fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just because I was shocked. I was very shocked because Hulk Hogan and WWF were just a marriage made in heaven. They kind of both made each other very, very rich. And just like entertainment, um, entertainment kind of uh, bear moths. And, you know, he'd, he'd, uh, pretty much headlined every wrestlemania one through to nine he he, what he you know he was pretty much that he pretty much was wwf um that wrestlemania now one was a beauty as well (laughs) it was absolute beauty when he came and 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 rescued the honor of bret hart really (laughs) oh dear (laughs) saved his face Uh, (laughs) um and then well as we know, Hulk Hogan came in and he and he rescued the title in a match he was never never in. Um, go forward to the inaugural King of the Ring. Uh, he lost that title back to Yokozuna because I think someone shot a fireball at him or something. Crazy. Um, and that was Hulk Hogan's last pay-per-view appearance uh, of the 90s for, for WWF. Um, and then he went off and kind of continued his Hollywood work. I guess I've, everyone, I think, assumed that that's what he left WWF to do. Um, was, he, was it Thunder in Paradise he went Thunder in Paradise which I think was straight to the DVD hit and uh, Mr Nanny I think he did after leaving oh, WWF God, that's a horrible film yeah what is your favourite Hulk Hogan movie by the way none no yeah, Gremlins 2 when he appears in the cinema and tells them <laughs> to put the film back on <laughs> in fact my favourite uh, Hulk Hogan movie is the one where he was caught um, being racial abusive to a black man, and then he was finally outed as a piece of shit to the world. That's your favourite? Yes. Finally <laughs> or, or the one where he was caught and he couldn't get an ad on in a hotel bedroom shagging his mates. Wow. Yep. <laughs> well, it, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking up the, the honour of the man here. I'm just talking about his defection. <laughs> <laughs> not his erection. Because he's up <laughs> <laughs> Other than Hollywood, he had a brief array into New Japan, uh, a few matches over there, and then I, th- I think I think to everyone's surprise and to kind of major fanfare at Disney Disney World MGM uh, Studios, 
uh, he joined the enemy, he joined WCW and signed a pretty lucrative contract that allowed him to take $700,000 per pay-per-view he appeared at, which is just just insane. Um, he won, won the WCW championship in his debut match against Ric Flair, um, kind of WCW trading off the dream match potential straight away, trading off Hulk Hogan's kind of uh, uh, his reputation by giving him the longest WCW title reign of all time straight there, straight off the bat, 15 months. Um, but then it kind of WCW kind of rests on laurels, didn't really know what to do with Hulk Hogan then, and kind of rehashed his feud with Andre the Giant against Paul White, rehashed the mega powers with Macho Man. It's kind of like it looked like they were wasting their money. And then came his second defection, of course, to the famous joining the NWO. And and the rest is history there. So I, I'm going I'm going for just for the just shock, I always thought Hulk Hogan would be WWF and and he signed that mega bucks deal to go to WCW. And you can't do anything about it. It's it's the biggest bullshit of this podcast ever. <laughs> in in the I mean, in the like the two I, years we've been recording this podcast, I've never been more disappointed in you. Well, at least take heart that he probably spent all those seven hundred thousand dollars on his legal cases. Yeah. yeah, but then he made like three hundred million suing Gorka, so he did, it's not he? done too too bad. Bastard. I can't believe I didn't veto you now. I regret that bitterly. Would you like a, a fun fact to cheer you up? Always. Um, it's not the Iron Brew one again, is it? No, <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> I said fun fact. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know if this is true, actually. I'm sure it is. But before Hulk Hogan came back in 2002, Hulk Hogan was only ever on one episode of Monday Night Raw before he buggered off to WCW. Really? Mm. Do you know what he did on that episode? Probably said something racist. Yep, probably. Piece of shit. And where's the fun part of this fact? <laughs> uh, <laughs> watching your face right now, that's the fun part. <laughs> but to be fair, it's a scandalous use of the, the veto, Paul. I'm, I'm mortified that I'll let you get away with it, but there's absolutely no I can do. Uh, Played to you, perfection tonight. Do you want to know <laughs> what once. I was going to veto you with? Yes, yes. I was going to veto your pick with uh, Lex Luger leaving WWF to go to WCW. Yeah, I think that I think that was bigger than Rick Rude. Yeah, I, I regret not picking that one now. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Anyone else have uh, any on this short list? I was considering Austin in the Alliance. Yeah. Oh yes. I had that, mm-hmm. I had that one. I had uh, Hall and Nash. Um, I. You know, I wasn't sure if this could con- this could count as a defection because it was purely storyline. I suppose it could actually. Damn it, CM Punk leaving the company, but it wasn't who. Like you know, so it'd be like, well, did he actually defect? Like so, he didn't actually go anywhere. So I kind of wanted to somehow try and shoehorn that one in, but I don't think I could have. We we would have took it. We uh, we we had a. Uh, Decon and his one of his picks oh, were God. one of his <laughs> were <laughs> Coco beware being a birdman as a as a career which was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> and the, did he pick the flying nuns as well the fucking flying nuns as a I career. think the flying nuns was my my oh, my golden work 
Oh, yeah. was it? The, uh, but yeah, it would have counted. Anything counts on this show. We don't really stick to any rules. <laughs> but this is <laughs> this has been great fun. Uh, well, it it ended on a bad note with Paul's horrific use of a veto. Uh, but what? <sighs> What we need from you two now is uh, topics for a future future guest. So with there being two of you, I expect a topic each. So what would you two like to hear about Rushmore on? If you've not got one, Ricky, I do. If you need I do, but you would need, like, it would need to be specific guests, I suppose. And I don't mind isn't wrestling related either. We'll drop it and we'll see. We'll see if <laughs> I, can, mind, I, can, I can use a veto. On uh, your pick. Mine, mine, mine would be uh, like, well, we're all in around the same age. So the four, the Mount Rushmore of the four greatest football players of the last two decades. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, actual football, not American football. No, no, the actual real football. <laughs> and I mean, I love American football, but yeah, real football. I'll be picking. I'm sure we can uh, we can get a guest on who, who can take that up. Happy uh, glad. Let's hear yours. Um, I hope this hasn't been done. Talk the Mount Rushmore of classic moments that have happened on NXT TV. So no takeovers. Anything from Full Sail Performance Centre. Um, so, for instance, off the top of my head when Tommaso Ciampa returned from neck injury and had a, a face-off with not not just Adam Cole, but Adam Cole's belt, Goldie. I would say that's a classic moment. You could even make it matches on moments. Basically, they have to have happened on NXT TV, not TakeOver. Another great pick. First one, what comes to mind is the 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 toy leg on a pole match between uh, <laughs> Yoshitatsu and uh, Tyson Kidd. <laughs> Or Eric Brugenhagen with his eardrums. <laughs> yeah. Wow. A- NXT TV is my wheelhouse, so I'll, I'll just go for days on that one. You literally don't watch NXT. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that. <laughs> with, <laughs> I'll need to find four, four Caitlin moments. Is the four Caitlin moments in the career? It must be. Didn't, didn't she have like. A, a horrendous match. Like I know she's had many, but I need to. I need to find out who that match was she, against. She had the worst match ever against. Was it Maxine? I can't remember who it was against. I think it was Maxine. Yeah. Was it? We, yeah. We brought that up in a in a, a quiz between me and Paul before. Yep. Yeah. Michael Cole absolutely shat on it for <laughs> for like fifteen minutes. As is his rap. Because <laughs> it was horrific, but yeah, I'm sure those topics will come up in the in the near future, right, guys? Let us know where people can find you two on social media, where they can find your content. Clive, <laughs> just delegates it straight to Clive. No messing about. Well, we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter, where we talk some shit about wrestling, NFL, and more recently Pokemon from myself. And you can find the Rick and Clive Wrestling Show at the Social Suplex Podcast Network. At, or you can go to the website, which is socialsuplex.com. I actually, and, uh, and we also tweet out some random absolute nonsense. I tweeted something out the other day and it didn't garner as, as much attention as I was hoping it would. What was it? Uh, that's just a tease, so I'd like people to, well, people are not going to go back six weeks and look at it. 
No, someone said, name something you can say during sex and while getting a, the coronavirus test. And I said, stick it deeper in my throat. Oof. <laughs> that, that's a clav style joke. It's very coarse, isn't it? Yeah, we, don't, we don't like that kind of attitude on Badlands. We're a family friendly show. <laughs> Rance, Rance liked it, so he must, want to, he must have wanted something in his throat. Oh well, he's not. He's not here to defend himself. I know that's the whole point, and they won't hear this until six weeks down the line. Well, what's what's the what's the what's the defend? If, if if he likes it, he likes it. Yeah. <laughs> he's to their own. If he gets off taking coronavirus tests, that's on him. <laughs> he, he has tests. The music playing when he does it as well. This is a test, test, test. <laughs> Wow. Paul, round off this madness with a, a perfectly nailed outro. I'll try my best. I've lost my script, so we know oh, where this is going to go. wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the, the beginning, where I was four minutes late, that was four minutes of frantically searching for my little Picks. green book of script, but it's, it's gone. Um, <laughs> I can't believe, um, I can't believe uh, Clive and I have been on two podcasts together in two weeks and we haven't discussed Pokemon yet. I know. We should have a, a Pokemon podcast. Yeah, we should. On your own time, gentlemen. You can, oh. so, so this is out in about six weeks' time, so you can find us at at Raincounter and Clive Pokemon Pod. <laughs> <laughs> that should actually be a thing. Really <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope, I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the new format. Um, hit us up at Badlands Pod and let us know what you thought. You can find uh, uh, my trusty companion here um, at Dej Kirkby and his many other wonderful podcasts. He's got at Five Rounds Pod, which uh, it covers the, the world of MMA and UFC, and that's over on Visionaries Global Net Media Network and yeah. uh, Shooting the Sports Ish. Yep. Correct. Yep. That's two two out of two so far. Two out of two. He's got Talk at the Table, which is also at the Visionaries Global Media yeah. Network. And he has Radio Techers. Correct. Um where you can get all of your uh, all of your football news and, and um an opinion over on there. And that is where can I find that one? Shooting the sports ish. Shooting the sports ish. And Visionaries Global Media. And Visionaries Global Media. Have I have I covered them all there? Yeah, because why we watch is dead and buried. Why we watch is dead and buried and gone. Oh. Um, so it's one one less thing to forget. But you'll oh. add something soon. <laughs> oh yeah, people. Uh, yeah, Ricky and Clive don't know that yet, do they? No, it's been on the very much on the down low. <laughs> so I'm guessing by the time this is released, it will be done and dusted. Are you? Yeah, the last episode was with uh, with Rant. Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. From now, not in eight weeks ago when released. <laughs> so this week I've got Marie, Marie Shadows. This is the one I've reading on my, my playlist thing. It's got Marie Shadows. So mm-hmm. it's just a few more to go. And it's Rance's fault. He killed what, it, yeah. He what did they say? Off. What did they say this time? He wanted no. something in his throat, I think. It was his live coronavirus <laughs> test, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he made me watch himself have a coronavirus oh test. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's me done. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, I suppose although, although they finished, you can go back and listen to them all, right? 
Oh, yep. they're still there and in the archives if you want to go and listen to very relevant and clearly not out-of-date topics talking with guests. <laughs> well, most of our opinions are on here are from the 90s, so this is, this is hardly <laughs> a podcast. Um, right, you can find me at Rain Counter um, and hear me um, on the Five Nerds Go podcast over at Five Nerds Go and search Five Nerds Go in your, in your podcast engine thing. Um, <laughs> and if you've enjoyed what you heard here and you want to hear us again next Thursday and every Thursday, you can find us um, on Cheershot, Cheershot Radio Network and Cheershot Media. Media. Um, I love you, Paul. You are the best. There you go. (laughs) Good night, everyone. (laughs) Don't use your head. Oh, no, I I learned something from Clive last week. Um, Please. Iron Brew was made. Iron Brew was made um, something to do with Celtic and a factory. And they they got thirsty and I can't remember the rest of it. So you you learnt well then. But um, no, what I did learn from Clive is please go and subscribe on all of the all of the podcast engine thingies and give five star reviews because that really helps and I've never asked you to do it before in the however many Badlands episodes we've done. So so go do that now. (laughs) Cheers guys. Uh, Stay safe and always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.